Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Just a few moments ago, we confessed. He, Jesus, ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we confess it, we sing it, we know what God's Word teaches, but do we really believe it? Does it really matter? Judgment day cometh right soon. Oh yeah, must be stewardship time at the church. Gonna scare some money out of me again. My friends, every year, the last several weeks of the church year focus on certain aspects of the second coming of Christ, the end of the world, Judgment Day. The first two weeks of our new church year, the first two Sundays in Advent, focus on the second coming of Christ. Lo, He comes with clouds descending. The last day, Judgment Day. God's Word emphasizes it again and again and again and again. And what do we do with that message? We shrug it off. We roll our eyes. We tune out. Sometimes. Sometimes in the church, the month of November becomes Evangelism Month. Bring a friend to church to month. Anything and everything except focusing on the appointed readings for the given day. Many churches have designated a long time ago, November, as Stewardship Month. Well, maybe we'd rather go back to the end of the world then focus on stewardship for a month. I suppose we can have that debate and discussion another time. God's word is clear. In the same way that Jesus ascended into heaven 40 days after his resurrection from the dead, you will see him coming in the clouds. Everyone will see him. All the dead believers and unbelievers alike will come back to life. Bodies and souls that have been separated by death will be reunited. And body and soul, we will see the Lord Jesus Christ. Not a second chance for unbelievers, but the final reckoning. The final accounting the separation of the sheep and the goats why is this such a big deal in scripture why is this such a big deal for us throughout the church year let's turn to god's word god's word for today the parable of the wise and foolish virgins let's be honest 
This is a really weird parable, isn't it? It is. You can admit it. We know very, very little about the wedding customs and ceremonies and traditions of first century Palestine. You can read it. You can study it. You can get a PhD in it. And it's not going to help you understand this particular parable. Why? Because Jesus is teaching us this kingdom parable, teaching us some aspect of the kingdom of God. He's teaching us this kingdom parable for a very specific reason. To teach us that judgment day is coming and today is the day to be ready. There may not be a tomorrow. Some, some scare tactic? Absolutely not. God's great love for your soul. He wants you to be ready today. He wants you to enter the wedding feast. The wedding feast is heaven. The wedding is between the bridegroom, Jesus, and his church. That's us. The Bible talks this way in this picture and this imagery all the time. Christ, the Messiah, is the bridegroom. Believers, the church, the bride. We already enjoy that, that relationship with Christ by grace through faith. But the consummation of that wedding is still coming. The consummation is on the last day when all the dead in Christ will be raised. And body and soul together, we will be, believers will be with our Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. So, what does this parable have to do with anything? Well, you need to know just a little bit. We don't want to press all the details of this parable because if you do, you come up with, well, how come the, the five didn't share with the other five? That's so unloving and uncaring. We should always be about sharing. What were those foolish virgins thinking? They had one job, and that was to keep their lamps lit. One job. What were they thinking? Why didn't they bring some oil with them? Or, you know, a wedding is supposed to be a happy time. And that bridegroom was pretty mean and narrow-minded when he said, I don't know you. My friends, there are lots of wacky things that we can do with this strange parable. This parable teaches us about being ready for the second coming of Christ. When people get married today, most of the time they go on a honeymoon. Might be a delayed honeymoon, but most of the time that's what they do. That's kind of our tradition or our custom in our world today. That was not the case in first century Palestine. The party was at the house. 
The party lasted for a week. And as part of the drama, suspense, joy, excitement, you didn't know exactly when the wedding was going to happen. You just had to be ready. You had to be ready. The groom would go and prepare the house, the bridal chamber, all the things that needed to be done. And when he was ready, he would give the message. He would give the alarm. And everybody would join in the procession to the house for the wedding the marriage would be consummated, and then there would be a seven-day party. Okay, we don't do it that way today. That's okay. This is not Jesus teaching us that we should get rid of our customs and go back to the old customs. No. Based on how they did it, the bridegroom was coming at a time that was not predetermined. It's the same thing for us. We don't know when Jesus is coming back, do we? Oh, there are lots of fakes and phonies out there that would tell you they know, that would calculate certain dates. They're frauds. They're phonies. They're liars. God's Word says no one knows the day or the hour. And you know, that's good news. That's good news. If we knew the exact day or the hour, we might be tempted to sin like crazy until a little bit before that hour and then try to repent and get our act together. Wouldn't we? Well, many of us would. It's human nature. My friends, God's word is clear. We do not know when Jesus will return, when the bridegroom comes. We don't have to be in fear. We don't have to worry about the end. Christ has set us free. If the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. We've got the wise and we've got the foolish virgins. They're the bridesmaids. Their job is to light the procession to the wedding feast, the bridal chamber. Small lamps. We know what happens when we forget to fill the oil lamps here on the altar, don't we? There's no flame. You can't light a dry wick. The Holy Spirit, through word and sacrament, gives us the oil of faith to keep our lamps burning. It's that simple. Both the wise and the foolish virgins fell asleep. Did you notice that? They both fell asleep. You know what that means? We're all going to die. We're all going to die. That was our introit. 
We're all going to die. Teach us to number our days. We're all going to fall asleep. We don't get a second chance. Jesus will come in power and might and glory. And there's a good chance. We're going to die individually before that happens. In confirmation class, we learn. What does it mean when we pray, deliver us from evil in the Lord's Prayer? We are praying, get me out of here. Take me to heaven. When will that happen? When I die or when Jesus returns? Whichever happens first. My friends, you can't share the oil of faith after you're dead. When you're dead, you're dead. But for all who die in the faith, when we are awakened by the sound of our bridegroom coming, our lamps will burn brightly. Why? Because they burned brightly while we lived. That's what this parable is about. Teaching us to keep our lamps full now. The Holy Spirit works through the means of grace. The means of grace are word and sacrament. We hear the word. We sing the word. We believe the word. We are baptized. We baptize our children. We return to our baptism daily. We eat and drink Christ's body and blood in, with, and under bread and wine. These are the marks of the church. This is where God tells us you can be sure that the Holy Spirit is at work filling your lamps with oil. Wherever the Word is proclaimed in its truth and purity and the sacraments administered according to the command and promise of God, there the Holy Spirit is. You can be absolutely sure. Take it to the bank. Fill your lamp sure. But you know, the foolish virgins they kind of went through the motions too, didn't they? The bridegroom came. Jesus promises that He will return for the church. This parable is teaching us that not everyone who claims to be a member of the church really is. That's why we call it the invisible church. Only God can look into a heart. I can't look into yours. You can't look into mine. You might be the biggest faker in the history of the world. I might be the biggest faker in the history of the world. We call this a hypocrite. Somebody who says that they believe, but they really don't. They attach themselves to the church for other reasons. Such are the foolish virgins. The foolish virgins belong to the church, but they really don't. 
the foolish virgins are baptized and baptism saves. But they're not saved. The foolish virgins hear the words of the holy absolution. And the holy absolution delivers the forgiveness of sins. But they're not forgiven. They eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus in the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper which promises forgiveness, life, and salvation. But they're not forgiven. Why? Surrounded by these precious means of salvation, they don't care. They don't believe. They are unsaved. Oh, sure, they have their names properly recorded in the church record book. Might even send in an offering now and then. Certainly show up for an occasional potluck or Lenten meal. But these things do not save, my friends. God's Word is clear. The Word of God for these foolish virgins went in one ear and out the other. They were here in the church in body, but not in heart, in mind, in soul. They didn't care about the forgiveness of sins. And by not caring about the forgiveness of sins, they didn't care about Christ. All the outward actions and motions cannot save us. Only faith in Jesus Christ, kindled by the Holy Spirit through word and sacrament. God's word for today says, be ready. Have your lamp oil full. And it's a simple matter to be ready. Have you ever noticed that the world, the unbelieving pagan world, realizes that the end of the world is coming? And how they react to it? Why do you think people go so wild and so crazy with some extremes of climate change? They know the end of the world is coming. And so what is the move that they make? Well, we have to save the world. My friends, we know the end of the world is coming. And Christ has saved the world. Not the physical, tangible things. He has bled and died for the world. He has risen from the dead for the world. He has ascended into heaven and now rules the world and his church. He promises, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And he says, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. When you have a little one in the house and mommy or daddy says, we're going to be leaving now for a while. 
What's the first thing that the little one says? Now, I'm not talking about teenagers. They're already planning the party. What's the first thing the little one says? When are you coming back? How long are you going to be gone? When are you coming back? My friends, that's us. That's the voice of faith. Jesus, when are you coming back? We want to see you. We want to see you face to face. We want to see face to face what we now have only by faith. As in a dull mirror. All the joys and anticipation fulfilled in this place where there's no more pain, no more suffering. Imagine a world where there's no lying, there's no stealing, there's no gossip. Imagine a world where there is only joy because Jesus who was dead is now alive. And we who were dead in the trespasses of our sins were made alive by the power of the Holy Spirit working through the Word. We are attached to Jesus Christ right here and right now. My friends, the, the end of the world is coming and we don't have to be afraid. You know why? Because our salvation is sure and certain. And my friends, there is a grand and glorious celebration that awaits. This wedding feast. And not only is it a wedding feast where Jesus is both the host and honored guest, this wedding feast will include all of our family and friends who have died in the faith. I can't imagine it. My friends, it's a simple matter to be ready for Christ's coming. Go to church. Hear the word. Believe the word. Eat and drink Christ's body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. When you watch these television preachers, you know the kind I'm talking about. The kind that really drive home the end of the world trying to scare you into the church or into heaven. You know how they always end their program? 99.9% .9 of the time. And what does Jesus want from you right now, dear Christian? What can you give Jesus? To make sure that you're a part of that grand and glorious wedding celebration. Well, you want to know what you can give him? Nothing. He lacks nothing. We have nothing that he needs. So instead, let's take a little twist on those TV preachers. You know what you can give him? Give him your sin. Give him your guilt. Give him your shame. Give him your worries. 
My friends, the church is about the forgiveness of sins. It's the only reason we exist. Give the sin bearer, Jesus, your sins. That's what faith does. And when you do that, you know that your lamp is full of oil. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. We stand and sing the offertory.